Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Tyler Orton. I'm Haley Wooden. And this podcast is brought to you by Manning LA Accountants and Business Advisors. And with us today is our colleague, Patrick Blunderhassett, reporter here at Business in Vancouver. How's it going, Patrick? Good. I've run out of analogies for being the third wheel, so <laughs> just say I'm here. I, I appreciate your honesty with us. Uh, you get any good uh, Cyber Monday shopping in over the uh, last few days, sir? No, I don't really shop at all. At all? Other than groceries. Okay. So no, I totally missed it. I didn't even realize it was Black Friday till about three in the afternoon. So. You weren't trampling over people no, in the I stores or No, I wasn't trampling like for a new Xbox, so <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't. Did you shop, Tyler? Um... Sort of, kind of, not really. In that, like things came to me that I wasn't expecting. Like people bought you gifts. I wish. Uh, with regards to Cyber Monday, I had realized I needed to get new contact lenses, and there was actually an email in my inbox saying that I could save like twenty percent on contact lenses if I bought today. Sold. I convinced me. Wow. It wasn't through my own intentional Cyber Monday shopping habits that got me there. What about yeah. you, Haley? I had a like a loose intention to check out some deals and try and do some Christmas holiday shopping. And I, you know what? I actually, and I'm not going to say it on the air because the person who I bought this for might be listening, but I did get a good deal on um, tickets to an entertainment thing in Vancouver. Oh. They were a good deal. You got like, uh, you got to upgrade your seats for free to save. Well, I appreciate the gift you're about to give me for uh, <laughs> Christmas, Haley. Yeah, it's I, very, very I, nice I think, of you. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Great. You know, I, <laughs> Thanks for the contact lenses, Tyler. <laughs> you got me, I guess. <laughs> I would say I am fascinated how many emails were able to jump through my junk mail filter on Black <laughs> Friday. Like I got like seven or eight emails like i i've shut my email down in terms of like promotional stuff and then google has that thing where it separates it now you have your primary yes. social and then the deals but i i must have got like like half a dozen or close to a dozen emails in my regular inbox on black friday but it seems as if you want to function online you have to sign up like if you want to visit any website or anything like that you have to sign up for what have you and that's how we end up with like our inbox is just filled with all this junk yeah it's amazing although it's nice. it did work out for me yeah yeah you got new contact lenses new so. lenses what, what was the i don't know do you recall anything that people are trying to uh, oh. spam you with there patrick i think i got one for a free cycle cross cycle cross class uh -huh. i went once like two years ago yeah and then i got like a free one or 30 percent off black friday and i was like how did this even sneak into my inbox? Is that like, like a cross between CrossFit and a spin class? What's cycle yeah, cross? Psych yeah, I think it's spin class, basically. Is okay. that maybe another word for it? Where you go in and that person yells at you to bike oh, faster, right. but you're yeah. not actually going anywhere? Yeah. So, but yeah, that that was the only thing that <laughs> sort of I remotely even remember. It was a pretty cl a quick delete thing for <laughs> me that day. So. so you clear out your inbox. I just let them accumulate and accumulate. There's yeah. thousands of these spam messages. I can't there. do that. I have to either delete them or, or get rid of them. I don't know. I'm kind of a tidy guy. So I uh, Well, I'm not tidy when it comes to my inbox, but I had to clear out space because they take up so much space and you will run out of room on Gmail unless you upgrade for free. So I had to delete all my promotional folders yeah there you go well guys patrick you're working on a story this week i i want to find out more about it because i think it has a little bit to do with uh, how we celebrate during the holidays to a certain degree for some people at least yeah so i'm working on a story basically talking about um everybody knows that vancouver's got a really good 
beer scene. I mean, our craft beer scene is amazing here. And it's getting to the point where it's like world renowned. Um, you know, people are coming here specifically to do craft beer tours. And I was talking to tourism Vancouver a little bit. I mean, it's like a thing. People are getting off the cruise ships and asking where the best craft beer is. Uh, so this is a legitimate thing. And, and pretty soon marijuana is going to be legal. So we're just yep. going to be drunk and high all the time all over Canada. So, <laughs> But um, interesting thing. So the Fraser Valley has probably a really unique opportunity because uh, the main ingredient in beer, as you guys know, is barley. And you can't really grow it in the lower mainland. Um you need a hotter, drier climate in the summer, um, and it's a little too wet to, to grow barley. So, But what you can grow in the lower mainland is hops. And so about you know 30% of the production process involves hops, and that gives beer their spice and their flavor and all that stuff. And um, the Fraser Valley is amazing to grow hops. So what's happening right now, I was talking to Central City Brewers and Distillers, um, Gary Lowen, who's the head brewmaster, he spends about $2 million a year on hops. And that's just one brewer. So if you think about all the different breweries and the potential for farmers. So now you've got Fraser Valley farmers who used to be growing other crops are looking to get into partnerships with the breweries. So uh, Lowen was talking about he's actually contracted a farmer to specifically grow him specific hops for his beer because he wants to do what they're calling uh farm to tap okay so it's a good branding for them yeah yeah so it's um it's fascinating because um you need a specific climate to grow hops and before that you know gary was talking about how he gets the majority of his hops from overseas so if you could localize this market um this could be a huge boom for the agricultural sector that's kind of i don't want to say hurting as of late but could definitely use some, you know, an injection of a new but capital. Even just kind of diversifying there, so you're not reliant necessarily on, you know, one crop or another. I think that'd be good for a lot of farmers, especially. I think it just kind of sounds cool. Like, what do you, what do you farm? Oh, we farm hops for craft breweries locally. Yeah, and I, I think it's good because it sort of expands that local sort of flavor. No pun intended. But I want to hit you guys with a couple stats here. Okay. Um, so we looked, I, I looked at a report from agriculture and agri-food Canada sales of local beer have been expanding at a 17% annual rate since 2010, small scale breweries in BC producing less than 15,000 hectoliters have increased sales by 51% from 2014 to 2015. And of the 102 craft breweries with headquarters in the province, 60 of them have opened in the past five years alone. Wow. So I we, see that. You yeah, it. it's yeah. it's definitely growing and it's expanding and it's getting huge. So this is something I think that we could most definitely uh, tap into. And it, it seems like we're tapping into it, no pun intended, already. <laughs> so, well, One of the debates people keep having is whether the market could get oversaturated. You mentioned you know we have more than 100 now. Uh, I don't know. Like, do you think that there's going to be room in the um, province for that kind of when it comes to the market, though, Haley? I think 
I think it'll have to slow down at some point. I don't think we're going to see that level of growth on and on. But I also don't think demand's been totally met. I think you have a lot of people, too, who over the past couple of years are discovering craft beer or who are moving away from bigger labels. And we see it, too, with market share. Some of the biggest breweries around uh, and alcohol companies have lost market share to smaller players. So it seems like there's demand. Well, yeah. There's demand for me. I don't single-handedly make up a percentage point or anything in this case. But, you know, it. yeah, I'm someone who definitely got into craft beer and wasn't the biggest beer fan. Like how often, how often do you go into a craft brewery on a weekend and it's dead? Never. Never. I couldn't even think of one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd want to know where yeah. that is so I could at least get in and you know, not, not have to wait around. But it, it's yeah. kind of a tough go sometimes. And you see it too at more like established bars where they don't necessarily have their own brewery. They'll often be tapped out of whatever local yeah. beer you have too, which I think speaks to demand. If you're going even to a chain restaurant, they'll have local crafts on tap and sometimes they'll be sold out. My my, my biggest complaint, though, is there's one prominent uh, music venue in Vancouver where uh, the best beer you can get is maybe a, a Stella or a Heineken. They're, <laughs> they're not into the local craft scene, and it's really, really a shame, it, really sad in my opinion. And I think the economic side of this is fascinating because um, if you can have the back end also be local, um, it could be a huge boom. I was looking at some of the other sort of uh, – craft beer scenes around the world you've got germany scandinavia is really big um a lot of those climates are not conducive to growing barley and wheat and hops and stuff like that you look at a place like norway and even germany they've got even colder winters than us sometimes vancouver um we we have even the distinction of being probably the only city in canada that could potentially you know manufacture the back end of beer calgary you couldn't do it edmonton uh even toronto because their winters are too cold right so you look at it i was here's no i'll hit you guys with another stat there's 2821 farms in metro vancouver and 94 percent of them are in langley surrey maple ridge richmond delta or pitt meadows so <clears throat> I think what I'm saying here is that not only do we have a chance to develop sort of like a local scene, we have a chance to develop an entire industry that a lot of people just don't have the chance to do. So it could be a huge boom for us if we really start to sort of produce our own ingredients that go into these craft beers. So, Yeah, for sure. Very wonder, interesting. Yeah, I wonder if we can uh, even worm our way into what's going on down the West Coast with regards to a lot of ingredients that are available there because it'll say it on like bottles like, you know, farmed in Washington or, or farmed in Oregon. So I'm wondering if uh, pretty soon we could have a lot of hops that just says on the bottles, you know, farmed in BC. It's, on, it's good for branding overall. Yeah, and you've already seen it with the uh, sort of farm to table a bit in the Fraser Valley. Uh, a lot of the restaurants, Joseph Richards Group has been a huge um advocate of this of getting they get all of their chicken which is basically one of their staple meats uh from the lower mainland they get you know he was saying something about i was talking to their head chef matthew stowe and he said basically close to 40 percent of the ingredients they get for their food is from the fraser valley and this is joseph richard's group this isn't sort of like your typical mom and pop corner restaurant i mean these are huge this is a big brand so um, yeah, definitely, uh, I think a, a big opportunity for us to create kind of like a, not only a local craft beer scene, but a, a local foodie scene overall, right? It's, yeah. it's very West Coast to the sustainability element too. You're not flying in hops or 
training it in from around the world. If it's local, it's certainly I can see it resonating with people here. Yeah. yeah. I, I do want to, maybe before we get into another topic, really interesting thing. We talked about the Surrey City Development Corporation yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Um, so Central City Brewing, uh, back in 2013, they wanted to open uh, a, a bigger warehouse or a bigger production facility for their distillery and, and to, to, you know, brew their beer. Um, and at that point, uh, they couldn't find any land that was conducive to what they could afford in Surrey. So they were kind of like, what are we going to do? Are we going to leave the city? Are we going to have to go somewhere else? So the Surrey City Development Corporation basically found them a property, bought it, acted as the leaser. And now that the Central City Brewing has sort of recouped the costs and sort of done quite well. Their Red Racer beer took off because of this. Um, they've now bought the property back from the city. So this is interesting because if you think of any other municipality, like if you tried to do that in Burnaby, let's say you're a Burnaby brewer. I don't know if you guys know any uh, breweries that are Burnaby. Yeah. They went to the city of Burnaby and said, hey, we need a new facility. They'd probably laugh them out the door, right? They'd be like, well, too bad if you can't afford it. So I think this is a really interesting sort of uh, case study of how a city like Surrey is taking a bit of a different stance when it comes to development. So I wonder if they, they bought it back at the price that the city bought it at or at the yeah, current land value? I didn't ask about that specifically. I, I just talked to Gary with Central City. But yeah, it might be, that might be interesting to look into because they got some prime land in, in North Surrey, which I'm sure developers would have loved to have snatched up. So I mean, at the time, and it's still to some extent, it's sort of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like it's not <clears throat> close to the city center. It's a short drive away, right? But it's sort of just this, yeah, a, Big piece of land, beautiful facility they've built there. Uh, but now things are starting to build up around it. So it's certainly an area that's changed. But I think it goes to show, um, I guess, sort of the benefit, but also the controversy of having a city and a municipality become sort of a de facto development corporation. Because essentially they gave that property to Central City Brewing when they could have let the free market take it. They could have let condos go up there. They could have let something else go up there. So they're, they're choosing who they want to help out. Yeah. You wonder and, why they get to be the arbiters. And and why do they get to pick, uh, and why do they pick a brewing uh, company? You know, why wouldn't they pick maybe something else like a recreational facility? Why wouldn't they build a gym there or a pool there? So um, I'll be the devil's advocate, though. Yeah. I mean, to some extent, the city already does that through zoning and permits. Yeah. Right. Like they it's not like anything could have moved in there without the city approving that either. But it is very active of them to actually participate in buying the land. And they they picked their tenant and they picked their tenant not financially based, but I want to say socially based and culturally based. They picked a tenant that they knew would help the city in the long term. Not necessarily financially, but obviously Central City has become synonymous with Surrey. So, well, let's just be honest. I, I think they were hoping to score some free beer. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to say it. They got supply. bribed with a red racer. So, yeah. So, uh, Patrick, why don't you stick around with us after the break? We'll come back, and uh, Haley and I will share uh, some stories that are catching our eyes in business news. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax and value services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. 
If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600 at 604-714-3600, or else check them out on their website at manningelliot.ca. Haley, What's catching your eyes when it comes to business news this week? Well, the CMHC has released some interesting stats about rental vacancies across the country, across Canada. Purpose-built rentals are experiencing about a 3% vacancy rate. That's gotten tighter year over year, so it's a little more difficult to find rentals. But if you think about this in a Metro Vancouver context, we haven't seen a 3% vacancy rate in quite some time. I would say. I don't recall. I don't think that's ever happened. Yeah, there you go. Ours (laughs) is sitting at around 0.9%. It's increased year over year, um, but it still is one of the lowest vacancy rates in the country. And it's putting pressure on prices, which on average are jumping up by about 6%, which is above the provincially allowable increase for the third year in a row. So higher prices Uh, vacancies still under a percentage point, but it's not actually the tightest market in BC. Kelowna and Abbotsford Mission, their vacancy rate at 0.2%. Very low. And Kelowna is leading the province in terms of how much rents are going up by. That's a jump of 8.6% year over year. Yeah. I I do wonder how much it's going to play into, say, the upcoming elections next year that we're going to have in 2018 around municipalities. I, I really think the more we hear about people getting squeezed by this, the more, I don't know, people are going to go out and vote. These municipal elections don't garner that many votes, but like when you do get them going, if you do latch onto an issue, you're going to get a lot more uh, people voting with the issues that are important for them. And I think this is a big one here. And, and it happens to be an issue where municipalities have a lot of control too, in terms of um zoning requirements, what they allow, the types of housing they encourage. But I know, Patrick, you were in the interior for quite a bit of time this year. We've had you on the show to talk about Kamloops, how that's developing. Kelowna seems to be a place to go for tech. They have UBCO there, and it looks like uh, vacancy rates are sort of suffering a little bit as a result. Yeah, Kelowna's always been um, sort of a step ahead of Kamloops in terms of drawing investment and all that stuff. And I think it, it has a similar story to Vancouver is that um, there's a lot of people in Kelowna that are sort of from Vancouver, or from somewhere else that own property on Kelowna Lake or on Lake Okanagan in that area. And they've brought in, I think, a lot of sort of initial capital. Um, Kamloops is still like a working class town. But you look at a, a story like Kelowna, you have this injection of this outside money that sort of came in and gave Kelowna a little bit of a leg up and they've kind of now cultivated around that. I want to say that's similar to Vancouver. I mean, this foreign investment that we're getting, we're now seeing the other, we're now seeing the other shoe drop where we're starting to get tenants, you know, we're getting uh, commercial tenants, we're getting businesses, we're getting Amazon setting up shop. Um, I think this is a good thing, to be honest, like uh, to see us develop sort of a high end net worth sort of Class downtown where we didn't necessarily have that before. I think it's a, I, I think it's a good thing. So, so uh, for the record, Patrick doesn't <laughs> care if there's affordability issues. Yeah. In, uh, <laughs> I didn't say that. I know. I, I know. I, yeah, I, it's funny because it is. It's kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. But yeah, you do. You look at a city like Kelowna and the capital that they got. They were able to properly utilize it, and they've done quite well with it. I mean, Kelowna has, is a really great place to live, to play, to have lots of fun. 
And a lot of it is because there's a lot of really rich people that went and bought vacation properties there over the span of a couple decades. So, All right. yeah. All right. uh, catching my eye, we kind of alluded to it at the very beginning, but uh, we had the Black Friday, Cyber Monday deals going on. So that actually generated uh, some of the highest uh, retail days for sales the U.S. ever has seen before. We have data from Adobe Analytics. They estimated Black Friday, Thanksgiving over that weekend, $7.9 billion for online sales were generated. And for Cyber Monday, they estimated uh, $6.6 billion U.S. that was going into Cyber Monday. And I believe the final tally was just over that, in fact. So it's kind of astounding to see this is how people are shopping now. It's not necessarily going in the bricks and mortar retail shops, as we'd expect. I don't think anybody was getting trampled on in Metro Vancouver. And uh, we didn't get any as many viral videos as we we're hoping for based on previous years from what's going on in the U.S. In fact, there's a lot of stories about just empty stores, which was curious and very different than what we typically kind of associate with Black Friday. So it's fascinating to see. So it's fascinating to see exactly how things are changing all just because of online shopping. Well, why? And I think this is something that's come about over the past couple of years. Why would you go wake up early, stand in a line if you can get as good a deals online? I think maybe that was a myth for some time or a question whether you could get good deals online. And now, I mean, you certainly can. And if you can do it from the comfort of your home, it's not too bad. Is this a generational thing, do you think? Like the baby boomers are no longer buying, they're all retired and the millennials are much more conducive to shopping online? Like, I think it's partly that. I was looking at a story from CNBC. They spoke to an economist there. I believe her name's Diane Swank. And she was saying that a lot more millennials are just foregoing the bricks and mortar shops at this mm-hmm. time of year, which is really changing the retail industry. But beyond that, I think just a lot of um, older generations, Gen Xers, baby boomers, I think they're shopping online as well. I, what Haley brought up, like, why would you want to go stand in line in the cold when you can get just as good a deal online as well? Yeah. And it's delivered right to your home. I mean, I don't know, that, that appeals to me much more than I don't know, like being shoulder to shoulder fighting with somebody over a, a Furby or, or a Tickle Me Elmo. <laughs> well, even like the supply management thing too, however many items, TVs, for example, that location has, if you weren't, you know, in early enough, you're not getting it. Whereas online, yeah. there might be caps, so to speak, on the deals, but um, it's not controlled in the same way. One of the things that jumped out at me too was I think $2 billion or so in sales were done on phones. So that's sort of a, a new trend as well out of that total. Uh-huh. A lot of people figuring out how to multitask and buy things on their phones, which that I'm so far away from, from mastering really? that. You haven't done the... Uh, you? <laughs> well, I, I'm surprised because just... Because I know you're not big into online shopping, no. but like to me, it's like mobile shopping is pretty much that. That's how I did it uh, personally. Um, oh. So, and that's how I'm going to buy all my gifts. Um, wow. I mean, I guess I could do it on my on my MacBook, but I don't know. I all my links are on my phone. It's it's easy for me. I've I've only recently discovered this amazing thing called tap and go on my uh, debit card. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm ages behind you guys. Like just like when you pay for things, yeah, you tap it? yeah. Oh, I literally just like <laughs> five or six months ago was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. So very convenient. Yeah, I'm I'm way too old school for this stuff. So okay, do you yeah. still have like one of those checkbooks that you have to like uh, yeah. <laughs> figure out the balance like every month and I, yeah. I write checks and and all that stuff. But uh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's funny because you, you look at online consumerism and how quickly it's shifted. I remember growing up in an age where 
buying anything was incredibly localized and you guys, you guys talk about the stores out but they don't have it in town even more so i mean now you can get pretty much anything everywhere so you know they it's funny because i was reading a report about how it's changed how people shop people are buying a lot more things they don't necessarily need simply because they can get them and they can get them easy. delivered to their door and it doesn't cost them an arm and leg anymore. So it's changing eh. how people shop too. So I, I'm not in that category just yet. We're <laughs> just shopping for the sake of it. That doesn't hold so much appeal to me. But mm. I remember the first time I think my family bought anything online. It's like the 90s or the late 90s. And it was um, a little bit uh, frightening in that like, I don't know, could the credit card get ripped off or, mm. yeah. y- you know, now we don't even think twice about it. It's just like, yeah, that's just how you shop. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. It, of course, was brought to you by Manning, LA Accountants and Business Advisors. Patrick, if anybody wants to find you online, you are the invisible man, essentially. Is that correct? I'm highly Googleable. Is that okay. a word? Googleable? I like Googleability. Googleability? <laughs> yeah. I've got a lot of Googleability. I've got a website, and uh, it's pretty easy to reach out to me. So, Excellent. Uh, Haley, what about you? Uh, head on over to BIV.com for all our business stories and feel free to say hi on Twitter. My handle is at Haley Wooden. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter as well. I'm at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. And I want to thank you all for listening to the Business in Vancouver podcast.